On this episode of JP Sports Talk, a couple of disgusting acts came to light this week, including the Steelers-Browns fight on Thursday Night Football and the Houston Astros stealing signs during their 2017 World Series run. I'll give my thoughts on that as well as break down the other two primetime games from Week 10 that were both excellent, told me a lot about the NFC this year. I'll also dive into the college football game of the year as LSU topped Alabama in Tuscaloosa, the BS that is going on in college athletics concerning Chase Young and James Wiseman, and as always, give my best bets of the weekend. It's all coming up on JP Sports Talk, and it starts right now. Huh? We got London on the train. You know I ain't never had shit okay. Now I'm somewhere in the meeting, get my ass kissed no homo. By a white man, cause his daughter fuck with my ass lip Uh-oh. I done dropped dick in her friend, I'm like my bad sis My bad nigga act like he too good even for a bad bitch uh-huh. I'ma buy a Lambo for this album, hit the fans bitch. What's going on everybody, thank you for tuning in It is Friday, November 15th My new day for recording the JP Sports Talk podcast Everything You know, it just seems to work a lot better on Fridays. We can uh, go over the Thursday night game, everything that happened over the week, and then preview everything perfectly going into the football weekend. So we're going to do this on Fridays for now on. Thank you guys for hanging in there with me. We have a lot to get to, including what the hell is going on with the NCAA uh, suspending Chase Young, suspending James Wiseman. This is just absolutely absurd. And I was ready to make the NCAA my ope of the week, but instead, the Thursday night football game happened less than 24 hours ago, and there's no one else that is more deserving of my ope of the week than Miles Garrett. Are you kidding me? I should be coming on the podcast today and be talking to you about how the Browns maybe turned a corner, taking down a Steelers team that won four games in a row, was making a playoff push, defeated them, beat them pretty badly, didn't ever really let the Steelers get into that game, beating them 21-7. to Browns now winners of two in a row. The schedule gets much easier. They have the lowest-ranked strength of schedule for the remainder of the season. But instead, with minutes left in the game, Miles Garrett snapped, ripping Mason Rudolph's helmet off his head and using it as a weapon to make a dent in his skull. He has correctly been penalized, suspended for the rest of the year without pay. That includes the postseason if the Browns get there. Pouncey of the Steelers out for three games. I think that that's absolutely asinine. He doesn't really deserve anything. He was just defending his quarterback. This is just disgusting. I keep watching the replays of what happened, trying to see if I could compare it to anything, anything that I've seen in sports in my entire lifetime, and I just can't, I can't put anything to it. You never see a hockey player try to, decapitate someone with their stick you don't see a baseball player actually swing at someone with their bat people that have weapons in these sports they use them for competition and a helmet of all things is supposed to keep you safe but miles garrett ripping off 
the safety helmet of Mason Rudolph, who is 100 pounds less than him, soaking wet, and tried to beat his skull in with it. It's absolutely unacceptable. I do praise the NFL for being so quick to suspending Garrett for the rest of the year and opening up the possibility to suspending him next year as well. If I'm the NFL, I suspend Miles Garrett for half the season next year as well, just to prove a point, because this is nothing close to anything we have seen on a football field. We know that violence happens on every single play, but this... This is inexcusable. This is worse than anything Vontez Perfect has done. This is worse than the hit that happened earlier in the game that sent, uh, was it James Washington out and concussed? It might have been Deontay Johnson. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But it was worse than that hit. This was a violent act that was damn near assault. Now, I'm not going to come out here saying that, that Mason Rudolph or the Steelers should press charges because it's football. Almost every single play could be depicted as assault. But Miles Garrett used a weapon and stripped Mason Rudolph of his safety uh, attire and tried to beat his skull in with it. It's absolutely unacceptable. I believe Baker Mayfield showed a, a really great sign of maturity in the post-game interview with Aaron Andrews saying that it was inexcusable because that's exactly what it was. But again, I should have been coming on this podcast today talking to you about how the Browns may have turned a corner and maybe are going to make some type of push for this AFC wild card. But instead, I am downright disgusted by the Cleveland Clowns once again. Now, I mentioned during that little rant about the Browns right there how I credit the NFL for being quick about this. They handed out suspensions less than 12 hours after the fact of this happening. But with that, I have to criticize another professional sports league in how they handle situations regarding suspensions and violations of the rules. And that's Major League Baseball. Mike Fires, who pitched for the Astros in 2017 when they won the World Series, came out and said that the team was stealing signs in the 2017 ALCS with a camera out in center field. Blatant cheating. Blatant cheating. And if you go on Twitter or any form of social media, you just look at videos from that 2017 season. It is so blatantly obvious that the Astros were cheating, that they stole signs, that they have people banging in the dugout and whistling and this, that, and the other thing. First of all, how does Major League Baseball not get to the bottom of this before Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic finds out this story from Fires? There should have been an investigation about this years ago. Not months ago, not weeks ago, years ago, because This has been a story that has been, you know, fantasized about, that has been through the rumor mill, and no one was able to confirm. The evidence was right in front of everyone's faces. How does Major League Baseball not look into that at all? At all. 
They didn't look into it before this happened, before Mike Fires, who was a pitcher of the team, said it in some interview. But again, now that this has been a public news story for the entire week, why has nothing been done already? Major League Baseball has been silent. They have not given out any form of punishment yet. And I believe that Rob Manfred has to come down hard on the Houston Astros. And I believe it should have been done already. Look at what Roger Goodell did. Everyone wants to rip Roger Goodell for the job he does as the NFL commissioner. Rob Manfred is just sitting there waiting for more and more videos that random Twitter users are putting out to the public to see how bad the Astros are. What is Major League Baseball doing? Why has nothing been done? The Astros cheated their way to a 2017 World Series victory. You know what happened in that 2017 ALCS, the one that Mike Fires publicly said, yes, we cheated during that series. With cameras in our home ballpark in center field, they won four home games against the New York Yankees. All four. And they needed all four because they weren't able to win in Yankee Stadium. And that's how they got to the World Series in the first place. They cheated. It was wrong. I believe Hinch should be suspended. I believe Fine should be coming from all over the place. This is just unacceptable. I'm not saying vacate. I'm not a person that believes in vacating wins, vacating titles, take down the banner. No, that's not me. But I believe the organization has to suffer because of this. For a team that has historically drafted very well, take away draft picks. Find the owner. Suspend the manager for letting it all happen. This has been an absolute disgrace for Major League Baseball and a disgrace for the Houston Astros that have now become public enemy number one in the world of Major League Baseball. All right, let's get back to football now. Those two acts, just so disgusting. I have no idea. It's just so different. That's why the NFL is the best league in the world, but is also the most violent with the most players. But the way they handle this compared to how Major League Baseball handles the littlest thing happening. It's just absolutely egregious. But let's get back to the football game that everyone was talking about after Week 10. That being the Monday Night Football game. The San Francisco 49ers run to perfection has been halted at their home stadium by the MVP, Russell Wilson. I said it last week. Russell Wilson had an opportunity to cement the MVP by going on the road and dethroning the before-perfect San Francisco 49ers, and he did it. In overtime, first time Seattle gets the ball, third and 16, Russ escapes the pocket, converts on third and 16. He did throw a pick on that drive. But to me, that was just a testament to this 49ers defense that was awesome all game long. They were forcing fumbles, getting picks, doing everything they could. And they picked off Russell Wilson in inside the 10-yard line and gave Jimmy Garoppolo an opportunity to lead them down the field. The kicker shanked. 
the field goal after sending them the overtime with a field goal previously. And then Russell Wilson getting the ball back. Not much time to spare. Got the Seahawks in field goal range to win the game. Now, this game was significant for a whole bunch of reasons. First, I believe it means that the Seattle Seahawks are legit. You looked at their record. They were 7-2 and before this game. They could beat anybody you knew that, but when they played a good team like the Baltimore Ravens, they got stomped out by that team on their home field. So they needed a big win. And for the NFC West, this is a huge victory because at this moment in time, they own the tiebreaker over the 49ers. They're going to have to play them again. And they're only one game back. One game back of a team that seemed invincible before this game. They were a six-point favorite coming into this game. And Seattle winning outright a huge victory. Now, to me, what this says about the NFC, I believe San Francisco is still the team to beat. I think that defense is still very, very good. But we saw a lot of flaws from Jimmy Garoppolo. And when he didn't have George Kittle out there, when Emmanuel Sanders exited the game because of injury, you could see the limitations that Garoppolo had against that Seattle defense. That is not the Legion of Boom that we are accustomed to seeing from Seattle over this decade. But he needs to be better for this team to win. He should have won the game for the Niners. When they got that pick in overtime, should have had the guts to lead them up the field, get the rookie kicker closer to make that kick. But instead, he booted it to the tunnel. They gave the ball back to Russell Wilson, and he proved why he is the MVP of the National Football League. Now, that was the Monday night game. Let's go one day earlier to the Sunday night football game, another great game. This was the best football weekend of 2019. Not even close. When you look at what happened Saturday, which I'll get to right after this, and then this Sunday night game, you had the Packers game before that with the Panthers, snow in Lambeau Field. The one o'clock games also were dramatic. The Titans beating the Chiefs, the, the Falcons beating the Saints. It was all a fantastic weekend of football, but it was capped off by this Sunday night game. And yes, the Minnesota Vikings, they won that game. I'll give it to them. I won't say the Cowboys lost because the Cowboys were down in that game and had an opportunity to win it, and they just didn't. And if you want to know my thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys, I think they are a phenomenally talented team, as talented as the Vikings. But there was one glaring difference, and it was coaching. And I'll say it right now, the Cowboys must fire Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is holding this team back. It has been way too long. Jason Garrett been the coach since 2010. They have won two playoff games. And don't tell me it's because of the talent that these teams had. They had great talent. Tony Romo was a great, not good quarterback. When they had DeMarco Murray, who was the rushing leader, when they had Des Bryant, who was a top-flight receiver, they couldn't win playoff games at all. And when you look at that Sunday night game, it was 28-24 Dak Prescott from his own 20-yard line 
led the Cowboys, excuse me, I believe he was inside his own 10-yard line, led the Cowboys all the way up the field. And then Jason Garrett took the game out of his hands. He was gung-ho on utilizing Zeke in those situations, ran the ball with him on second down, ran the ball with him on third down, set up a play to pass him the ball on fourth down that was broken up, and that was the game. Zeke was not good in this game. Mike Zimmer, the better of the two coaches, made sure to take away the Cowboys' top weapon in that situation of the game because he knew that if they could stop Zeke, they would win the game. And that was the case. Zeke, 20 carries, 47 yards. But Jason Garrett said, no, 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 no. We have to run the ball with him. He will lead us there. When Dak is out here, you know, bending his back, twisting around, making plays from all over. He was phenomenal in that fourth quarter. He was phenomenal in that final drive that could have won the Cowboys the game. But instead, Jason Garrett allowing Kellen Moore to call two run plays on second and third down that resulted in a net three-yard loss and then a pass play intended for Ezekiel Elliott ruining the game, ruining the Cowboys' chances to win a very important game now that they are tied with the Eagles at 5-4. and four. And when you look at the remaining schedules for these two teams, the Cowboys are in a lot of trouble. If they want to make the playoffs, they have to win this division, but the Eagles are coming. The Eagles' last seven games include two against the Giants, one against the Dolphins, one against the Redskins. That's four easy wins right there that the Cowboys don't have on their schedule anymore. They played the Giants twice. They already played the Dolphins. The Eagles are coming. And now that they're off the bye, getting a little healthier, I would watch out. I think the Eagles are going to wind up passing the Cowboys And it is all because of that dunce, Jason Garrett, who was at the helm and lost them a very important game against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, that was a fantastic game. We saw a ton of fantastic NFL games this weekend. We also saw a few great college football games. And one of them was the game of the season, at least of the regular season. Number two at the time, LSU. Number three, Alabama, after ESPN's inaugural college football playoff rankings. We saw the best two quarterbacks in the nation, the best two offenses in the nation, go pound for pound. And LSU flat out beat Alabama. I don't want to hear that Alabama only lost the game by five points. No, they only lost by five points because they had a garbage time Hal Mary touchdown. It should have been eight 12-point loss, but it wasn't. It makes the loss look tremendously better for Alabama than it should have been. They lost on their home field in Tuscaloosa to a much better LSU team. Joe Burrow, I think, solidified his Heisman campaign, 31 for 39, nearly 400 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 64 rushing yards, including a Gutsy rush in the red zone on third down to keep a drive alive that set up an LSU touchdown. Now, 
just taking away from what it means for college football, look at what college football means for people. This game was an inspiring life moment from Coach O, who has been referred to as a dunce. He has the accent. He doesn't look the part, but he led these men to victory. Joe Burrow, someone who was, you know, went from school to school, wasn't good enough to start for Ohio State, came to LSU, wins the big game. You have the running back, Edwards O'Laire, who, I mean, <laughs> five foot nine looks to be a compliment for him. But he absolutely owned that game in the big moments. He had a hat trick of touchdowns. It was just phenomenal to see LSU against the odds, six-point underdogs, go on the road and win a huge game against their rival, Alabama. They haven't done it in seven or eight years, but they put their mark on that field and I think locked up their spot for the college football playoff. Now, what this means for the other side, for Alabama, I think they're still going to get in, but I believe that they should be out. Again, I mentioned that touchdown at the end of the game. I think that really kind of softened the blow and it shouldn't have. It should have been a double-digit, two-possession loss, but that touchdown made it look even better. It was a home game that they lost. They had no wins on their resume before this game. They'll have an opportunity to play Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and then that's it. They're not going to get a chance at Georgia in the SEC Championship They won't have an opportunity to win their conference. It's over. And looking at Oregon, who currently in the playoff, one spot behind them, they're at six, Alabama at five. If Auburn goes on to win the Pac-12, you have to put them in over Alabama, in my eyes. I don't think the committee will, because I think, you know, the Bama bias is going to show. But I'm putting Oregon in, who lost... Their first game on a neutral site against a good team. Their first game of the season and haven't lost since. If they go on to win their conference, beat a top 10 team in Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, you got to put them in. You have to put them in. Even though I believe that the committee won't, I am going to fight for Oregon to make the college football playoff over Bama if both teams run the table. Staying with the NCAA right now. This, again, I, I mentioned it before. The NCAA was going to be my open of the week before Miles Garrett went full-on criminal on Mason Rudolph. But what are, are they doing? Chase Young, who has been the number one candidate for Heisman, who is not a quarterback... For Ohio State, leads the nation in sacks, going to be a top three pick in the draft, assuming Joe Burrow and Tua go one and two. Chase Young, in last year's Rose Bowl, bought a ticket, a plane ticket for his girlfriend to go to the game, took the loan from a friend, paid the loan back three months later, and that is what the NCAA is going after. That's why he is suspended for two games. Now, Granted, it was supposed to be a four-game suspension, but they couldn't let the best player in the country miss 
nationally televised games against Penn State and Michigan. No, no, no. That would be egregious. This is, it's BS. If you're going to suspend them, suspend them. But now they just made it obvious that they're in it for themselves. They need Chase Young to play those games to make it as competitive as possible to bring light to the future NFL star. So they put him back. Now, let's go to basketball. James Wiseman, Penny Hardaway, before he took the job at Memphis, moved James Wiseman and his mother out to Memphis so he could play for his AAU team. And then Penny takes the Memphis job. Now Wiseman wants to play for Coach Penny at Memphis. And now there's this whole commotion where he's suing the NCAA, but now he's not. But the NCAA ruled him ineligible for the year. But he played in some BS game, non-conference game that Memphis won by 20. It is absurd. What is the NCAA doing? You'd think that they'd want to showcase their premier talent, but then they're trying to suspend them for things that, you know, barely would look suspect. I mean, these are normal things. I'm more upset with the Chase Young instance because the kid just wanted his girlfriend to see him play. We all know how that feels. He wanted to fly his girl out to Pasadena. Who is going to blame him? And he paid his family friend back Almost immediately. It's just absolutely garbage. It's a shame for the NCAA who is going to allow these players to start making money in a couple of years that they're knocking them for nitpicky things like this and shying away their top talent by suspending them. It is absolutely bogus in my mind. So with that being said, let's get to my best bets of the weekend. We only got two best bets for you. I don't love the board this weekend. There are a lot of suspect things in my opinion. I got one college football bet, one NFL bet, then I absolutely love them both for a couple of the biggest games of the weekend. The 3:30 CBS SEC game of the week, Georgia going to Auburn and Auburn is a two and a half point underdog, but I'm not looking at the spread on that game. I love the under at 40 and a half. Two great SEC teams, two great SEC defenses. Georgia blanked Mizzou last week 27 to nothing. And Georgia's defense clicking on all cylinders. They're in a position right now to run the table and possibly make a march for the NC for the college football playoff if they could go and beat LSU in the SEC championship game. But to do that, they need to defeat all the SEC opponents ahead of them. That includes Auburn. The defense has to be suffocating. I don't really believe in Bo Nix in this Auburn offense. I don't know how the Georgia offense is going to come out and operate. Jake Fromm will make enough throws for Georgia to win the game. I don't know about covering that two and a half. I'm a little sus on that. But I love the under at 40 and a half. And conversely... Looking at NFL Sunday, Texans going to Baltimore in a matchup of the number two and number three teams in the AFC. But these are also two of the best young quarterbacks, two of the best offenses. I think numbers two and three for MVP behind Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. 
and Deshaun Watson. I'm taking the over at 50. It's going to be a shootout. Both defenses are not great. The Ravens defense has been clicking more as of late, but I think Deshaun Watson is too good to let his team slip up in this game. They're going to have to compete with this high-powered Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens offense. So I think it's going to be a shootout. I'll give the advantage to the Ravens because I don't really know how many more games they're going to lose. I have a prediction that they can nab the top spot from New England and get home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. But for now, I'm not taking a pick for the spread as the Ravens are favored by four because I believe it's going to be a shootout in Baltimore on Sunday. Give me the over at 50 points. All right, guys, that just about does it for this episode of JP Sports Talk. New day of the week, Fridays, we will be recording, previewing the weekend ahead and going over everything that happened from Sunday to today. So thank you guys for tuning in and be sure to tune in on Friday. Huh?